Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Today's sermon is entitled Peace and Kindness, but it's not really about peace and kindness. I have kind of an uneasy relationship with the idea of peace. Now, I'm not talking peace as in just absence of fighting, though that's nice, (laughs) and that certainly helps. No, no, I'm prone to anxiety. And if any of you know anything about anxiety from your own life, you might be familiar with the idea of spiraling, where one thought leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and all of a sudden you're in a bad place, right? Uh, I had a textbook moment near the start of the uh, pandemic. You know, uh, Edgewood Cinemas up up the street here, uh, I was was, uh, uh, driving by it uh, right when the world was shutting down from the pandemic. And we had just been there a week or two before, and I thought about the person who served us popcorn. And then I thought about all the other people who worked there. And then I thought about the managers. And then I thought about the people who supply the popcorn and the truck drivers. Then I thought about the people in Hollywood that make the movies and that were all out of work. You know, right? See, that's spiraling. That's one of the places where anxiety comes from. And that is not peace. I did a spiritual exercise a number of years ago on breath prayers. Have you ever heard of a breath prayer? It's a prayer that you can say with one breath. And sometimes there's even a little piece for when you inhale and another for when you exhale. A classic one is, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. And we were to write our own breath prayers. And you know what mine was? Lord Jesus, give me peace. Lord Jesus, give me peace. The problem is, though, sometimes when I pray it, it becomes desperate. (laughs) I'm serious. I am not exaggerating this. There are times when I pray that where it becomes a plea. Lord Jesus, give me peace. Give me peace. I need peace in my life, please. And when I get anxious, I also get irritable. And if you don't believe me, ask my family. You could probably ask the staff here, too, though please don't. No, when I don't have peace, when I'm anxious, I get irritable too. And it makes sense though, right? If you're worried about the whole world, if you're trying to carry the weight of everything on your shoulders, it's awfully difficult to be kind. So for me anyway, when I lack peace, I am not kind. So I see peace and kindness as related as connected ideas, but try as I might, I can't make peace happen in my own heart. I cannot cultivate my own peace because there's too much in the world beyond my own control. So where then does peace come from? Like I said, this sermon is entitled Peace and Kindness, but it's not really about peace and kindness. What it's about is the particular work of the Spirit that I think produces it, and that is hope. So we are finishing up our uh, sermon series today on the fruits of the Spirit. The subtitle of it is How to Know You're Doing It Right. Uh, You know, there's a a, a great and famous and often memorized verse in Galatians where the Apostle Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. We've been reading it every week in hopes that, you know, maybe we memorize it a little bit too because this is one worth holding on to. I'll read it to you again. But the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And by fruit, that means that's what, the, that's what the Spirit produces in us, like a crop or a garden produces fruit, like a flower bed produces fruit of its own kind. So these are the things that we start to see in our life when we truly let God into our heart. Uh, and it's not our doing, it's God who produces it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it looks a little different in every person, right? I struggle with peace. You know, there are probably some of you who, do, who, who come across peace easily. Maybe patience is your difficulty or maybe something else. Uh, but by God's grace, this fruit is produced in all of us, especially when we come together. Now, we could explore all of those fruits, uh, but we're going to wrap up the series today with this double of peace and kindness. And to do it, I want to look at something else the Apostle Paul wrote in the uh, letter to the Romans. Now, Brad read it for us before, but you know me. I, never, I always think it takes more than one hearing for a scripture to really find its way into our hearts. So listen to it again. I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration. Now, have any of you experienced frustration? <laughs> of course. Creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice. It was the choice of the one who subjected it. But in the hope that creation itself would be set free from slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children. Hmm. Maybe there's a purpose for at least some of our frustrations. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it's not only the creation. We ourselves who have the Spirit as the first crop of the harvest, us too, we also groan inside as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. We were saved in hope. If we, hope for what we, if we see what we hope for, that isn't hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. Now, as great as it is to think about lines like uh, labor pains and what comparing the sufferings of this world to labor pains, uh, you know, that's about to bring something new into the world, Really, I think the whole thing is summed up in the first, very first sentence. We're going to put it up on the screen and leave it there the rest of the sermon. Hang on to this for a bit. I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. The story goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said... On each day of creation, it is good. And in God time, God created the human beings, us. And when God looked at us, he didn't say it is good. God said it is supremely good. But what happened? You know the story of Adam and Eve. We rebelled. We rebelled. We, gave, uh, we rebelled and God was sorely tempted to give up on us. That's the story of Noah's ark when God was tempted to give up. But God did not. 
Instead, God has spent thousands upon thousands of years doing the hard work of rebuilding what we were created to be, of restoring what we were made to be in the very beginning, from the very beginning. And the Old Testament is mostly a story of that back and forth. You know, God helps his people to move two steps forward. And then what happens? They take a step backwards. And then God delivers them again. And they, ha- they need another Ebenezer as they move two steps forward because they all know good and well that in time there will be another step back. Sometimes it's more than two steps back. Maybe it's, maybe it's four steps forward and three and a half steps back. That happens sometimes, right? But the whole Old Testament is the story of that push and pull and of God rebuilding, always making progress towards restoring creation to what it was made to be. And then, when the time was right, God put skin on. In the turning point of all of history, God walked among us as a human, as Jesus. He taught us, yes, and that's great. But more than that, Jesus was a living example of what we could be, of what we were made to be, of what life perfectly with God looks like. Now, was it a life without problems? No. Was it a life without suffering? Certainly not. But Jesus did show us a life that never lost sight of God's great rebuilding of the world around us. Jesus always kept his eyes on the glory that was being revealed to us a little more each moment. It was never a question for him. It was a given. And as if there could be any doubt, after, uh, after Jesus died, after he had died, he comes back to the world to show us that even in death, God hasn't given up on this place. And God hasn't given up on us. That even in death, the rebuilding continues. And God is committed to the earth being his home. Now, a few decades later, Paul had seen so much of God's kingdom breaking into the world. He'd seen so many stones laid in the rebuilding that he was utterly convinced that nothing could stop it. And so he writes, I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared with the rebuilding, with the coming glory that is about to be revealed to us. And it's true, Lord knows we humans take steps backwards. We take a whole step and a half, a step and three quarters backwards, individually and communally. But God still walks among us, moving the world ever closer to what we were created to be. I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is about to be revealed to us. The truest peace comes from knowing this. Peace comes from knowing that God is bigger than anything the world can throw our way. Peace comes from knowing that no matter how many steps backwards the world seems to take, God is still there rebuilding and delivering. Peace comes from knowing that no matter how many steps backward, not the world, but I take, God is still rebuilding. We must try our hardest. We must give it our all. But when we fall short, it's not a question of if God will help us. It's a question of when, because God is still there rebuilding. 
And when you know this, when your peace comes from knowing this, how can you not also be kind when you see someone who is in the midst of steps backwards? How can you not be kind? Because you know that God will deliver them too. Peace and kindness come ultimately from hope. The knowledge that a better future is coming. Hope in God's great rebuilding of the world. So how do we cultivate it? How do we cultivate our peace and kindness? You know, this is a garden. We're growing fruit here, right? The fruits of the Spirit. How do we fertilize our peace and kindness and our hope? Well, my answer is to become a hope watcher. <laughs> to become a hope watcher. You know, we know that intellectually God is rebuilding the world around us, but the sufferings of the present age, as Paul puts it, they have such a tendency to suck all of our attention. You know, and if you don't believe me, do you want to start talking about politics or maybe hurricanes or fill in the blank, right? The sufferings of this present age have a tendency to suck all of our attention. And on top of that, God's rebuilding usually happens in tiny ways. You know, it's like Jesus' parable of the yeast in the bread, tiny and hidden, or the pearl or the widow's mite. So if we don't actively, intentionally look for the hope, we're going to have a hard time spotting it. So watch for the hope. One of my favorite things to do on Sunday morning is to take a few minutes while you all are gathering and as, uh, as you all are leaving and just look. And it ne I never fail to notice a conversation that looks like God is in it. You know, I never fail to notice uh, something like somebody who's come to church after a long time away and is feeling the goodness of it. Or perhaps noticing the simple steadfastness of a whole lifetime of faith in one face. I never fail to see the hope when I look around this place. Or how about this one? Watch the news but with the intent to see past the problems of the world. You know the great Fred Rogers quote about looking for the helpers in a time of disaster? You know, for every negative news story about a problem in the world, you will see people whose hands and feet, who are God's hands and feet, rebuilding in the midst of that, of, of that problem. So, what if you watch the news as a spiritual practice, and instead of looking for the problem, you looked for those who are helping with it. Or if someone in your family or your social circle or whatever it may happen to be has a problem, listen to them. Just listen. Maybe help if appropriate, but mostly just listen. And doing it knowing that you are the ears of God and that in so doing and in, in, in so helping share their burden, you are laying a stone for God's kingdom and the great rebuilding. I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. But most importantly, if you find your thoughts dwelling on the negative, if you find them turning more to the problem than to the rebuilding, stop it. 
<laughs> Stop it. Catch yourself. Catch yourself in the act of dwelling on the problem. And instead, look for the rebuilding that's going on around it. Look for the helpers. Look for the hope. Because it is always there. And I promise you that you will always find the rebuilding to be far more powerful when you zoom out far enough. You will find it to be the most true. And when you are utterly convinced that God's rebuilding is all, when you are utterly convinced that God's rebuilding always, always wins in the end, when you truly believe that the suffering of this present age is nothing compared with the glory about to be revealed, then you will finally know peace. And your peace, God's peace in you, will make you kind. Fruit born of the spirit of hope. Would you pray with me? Oh God, thank you for all the signs in the world around us, tiny and hidden though they often be, the signs of your rebuilding. Thank you for the signposts you leave us to remind us, the Ebenezers you set in our path to remind us that you are there making all things new. May we have such faith in that which we cannot see yet, but that is being revealed to us each moment. May we have such faith in it that we are filled with peace and compassion and kindness for those around us. And may this, may these and all the fruits of your spirit be a truly bountiful crop in us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.